Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. What happened was that second game, we got our ass kicked, or the second half. We just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, we all, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It stunk. Okay. Um, anytime yeah, you guys yeah, 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 yeah. we got to call us the Illuminati. Whenever you see the G, it represents God is October 26, 2015, it's a Monday, and uh, if you were Al Golden doing the post-game press conference from uh, the end of that Clemson University of Miami game, you simply could have just uh, taken a recording of that classic Jim Moore rant, put it right there on the table, press play, and let it play into the microphones, and it would have totally summed up what went on at Sun Life Stadium starting at noon on Saturday, Emil. Am I am I wrong? You watched you may have watched that game longer than I did and I was there in person. Uh no, my 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 viewing was probably right in the vicinity of you. You know, I'll be honest, when it got to 28 nothing, I got so disgusted I just flipped. I I mean, I I couldn't watch that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh I mean, I mean I'm, how, I'm how, do you, how do you condemn me to to sit in in my living room where I have a choice of Dozens of games on those satellite dishes, and you want me to keep that one on? Well, perhaps you wanted to be a uh, part of history. I don't know, watching it, whatever. That's not the history that, that I've seen. That was as bad as see. I've seen. I'll be honest. I've been, I mean, I'm not just saying this for a fact. I've been watching football since I'm probably five years old. I have a good recollection. I mean, you know, my, my, my dad took me to the, you know, my alma mater's high school games as a little kid. You know, he was in the booster mm-hmm. club, you know. So I've been, you know, I've been around the game a long time as far as, watching a lot of football. And I'm telling you, I'm not sure. I'm trying to dial it in my memory bank if I've ever seen a beatdown that bad. I'm being serious. Uh, yeah, and, and that's 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 what people are saying. You know, some saying I've never seen a game quite like that 
um, where a team had more talent than the other. I'm not so sure that that was the case because Clemson. No, no, that wasn't. That field. wasn't all about talent. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That no, no. Of course, Listen, of course, no, no. In high school, you know that, in high school, I might have seen something like that, or you might have. I'm not so quick just... though, Emil, to say that Miami had more talent than Clemson. Clemson's a pretty no, talented. No, football no, no, no. Don't misunderstand. I'm not going in that direction either. I'm saying you may. You've been down in Florida where you guys have eight divisions, so you may have seen. I don't know, maybe a crossover game where, say, what do you have, a Class 6 team, maybe they're playing a Class 2 team, and they beat them like that on pure, just on pure talent. I think Saturday was a combination of Miami didn't have as much talent as Clemson, and Miami sent a loud and clear message, we're done playing for this guy. Yeah, um, and you know what? It's similar, it's kind of similar to what I saw in person last year when University of Florida played Missouri. The team decided they were going to send a message that night. Uh, I think the message was, we don't want to play if Jeff Driscoll is the quarterback. I think that was the message. Maybe it wasn't. I am certain there was a message because there was no way Missouri was however many 40-something points or whatever they ended up beating Florida by, and they scored every way possible. So that means every unit decided on that night, uh, like we're just not going to do what we're supposed to do here. Offensively, defensively, uh, special teams, we're just not going to do it. And it looked similar wait, wait, to that. Wait, wait, clarify yourself here, because I think, you know, say I think people who aren't, you know, maybe as into football as you, might misunderstand that. I don't think it's actually conscious as much as it's in preparation, just your attitude. You just don't feel like playing for the guy anymore. I don't think like a guy goes out there and says, geez, I'm purposely going to miss the tackle on this um, punk coverage so the coach looks bad. I just think like nobody well, pays attention all week let, in practice. Let, yeah, let, let, me, let me explain it to you. It's, it's, and it may, not be, it may not be done in the week of practice, to be quite honest with you. It, it, it's amazing how all of those players – can come together at just that one time to produce something like that. Produce like what I saw with Florida versus Missouri last year and what I witnessed um, at, the, at, at Sun Life Stadium on Saturday. It's amazing how that all comes. It just speaks to how much of a team sport um, football is. Now, if you listen to Al Golden post-game, he says he never saw it coming. They had a great week of practice. I talked to a couple of coaches at the University of Miami um, that you know, a couple of assistants who said they've had a great week of practice. This was leading up to the game, so it was it, they didn't really see that coming. But it's just amazing how on the, on game day, at that point, they all decide. Well, you know what, Chad, I'm not calling your just... your friends or colleagues liars. But what I'm saying is, I don't believe them in that. I think they're oblivious to the issues with their team, which is the reason many of them are getting fired. Uh, per- perhaps. Perhaps that is the case, but you know what? With the Florida deal, um, I spoke to a couple players leading up to the uh, the mm-hmm. game against Missouri. No one let on that there was anything different. It's just amazing how on game day, it's just I look each other in the eye, and this is what's going to happen today. But they weren't you know, in the same uh, stratosphere of beatdowns. If you recall the Florida game that you were at, uh, Florida only allowed about 100 yards of Missouri offense. They just picked a million different ways to turn the ball over, get beat on, on special teams, all that stuff. But at least they put up a fight defensively. They didn't just say, well, we're not going to stop the other team. I mean, the stats from this game on Saturday, and remember, Clemson pretty much put the oars back in the boat in the second half. It was 42 nothing mm-hmm. at the half. Clemson had 567 yards of offense, 33 first downs, and this is with basically playing a half of football because the second half – they didn't run much. I mean, you can go look at the play-by-play. Right. Play. 
Miami had six typical, first downs. Which is typical in games like that. Right. Miami had six first downs and 146 yards. What I'm trying to say is there was zero fight. At least Florida tried to resist. You know what this reminds me closer to, only without the offense part, that when, when USC quit on Kiffin. This was closer in defensively. Now, that score was 62-41, so at least USC you know, said, well, if we're going to quit, we're well, really going to have no, some Amo, fun Amo, on you quit, you, quit on, you quit on the way that you've been having problems. Miami's right. been having problems defensively, so that's where the biggest breakdown comes in. Florida wasn't right. having defensive problems last year. The problems existed that's in true. other areas, so the big, the biggest issues in that game happened on offense, where you were having a problem all year, uh, in special teams, where you may have had a little bit of breakdowns here and there. We can belabor this forever. The bottom line is that um, at 35 nothing, I couldn't take it. I was almost moved to tears, Amo. I was almost moved to tears, and I just had to get I know you're not and, kidding, and because I know how much you love your, your school. I mean, I, I, that's one thing, you know, since I know you, you've always been consistent. You know, you're an honest fan, but you're, you're a fan, and you played there. So, I mean, I, I could see that. I mean, if I was sitting there and I played for them, I'd be, I, think I, would, I think I would actually have to leave or, or I'd start I, crying. I, I had to go, and it, it, now listen, I love my school, and I love the city of Miami. So you hurt on two accords, and I had to, I had to walk out. But you know what, Emil? It's the first time I think uh, ever I've witnessed traffic out of a stadium at halftime. I mean, bumper to bumper, people. It was a mass exodus. People had had enough, and then you had the athletic director come on and say after the game, um, there are going to be no coaching changes. We're going to wait until the end of the season. And in my mind, I'm like. Good luck with that. Ain't no way in hell that's going to happen. I think we're going to get some alumni that are going to come down to the school and start setting fires to the athletic department or walk onto the field and disrupt practice. Um, I don't know what the board of trustees are going to do because I don't know them like that. I'm not even sure about them and their and and their you know what direction they want to go with the football program. But there's just no way he could have had a team meeting and stand in front of those guys and tell them anything. I mean, what can you well, do? Well, the bigger issue, point? though, let, let's stop belaboring. We, I think here's what I'd like to address. Obviously, they quit. Obviously, we, we saw this coming. The fans have been pushing Golden out there, but let's not blame the fans. Listen, he earned this. This team has never really turned the corner. He's been there five years now. It, it's just not working, okay? What I wanted to address was something people hit me up with on social media, on Facebook on Saturday as I was watching and commenting. There's a ton of people following this up here because Golden's a Penn Stater. And remember now, mm-hmm. Penn State wanted this guy. When everything went down a couple of years ago, he was one of the guys that got mentioned for that job, and they were upset that they didn't get their own, okay? Who yeah. is the next Miami coach? Because what I said is, you know, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way to you or any Miami alumni, that's not a great job. Uh, the University of Miami? Yeah. You don't think it's a great job? No, for um, several several reasons. I think one. Well, feel feel free to expand on that. One, they're in the ACC. People down there are not interested in the ACC. They, they, they never have been. They never will be. There's one game they're interested in, uh, Florida State. Maybe they'll get a little bit interested in Clemson after they put 58 nothing on them and they've been playing some good ball the last couple of years. The rest of that mm. conference just does not interest people in the deep south i mean that love football i mean they want to be in the sec i mean let's be honest that's who they want to play i'm not saying they belong in the sec because of their academics and size of the school and all that but that's who they want to play so first of all it's that secondly they don't pay great okay Mm -hmm. the, the 
No, I'm not saying they can't. I don't know what the internal, you know, you don't even know, and you went there. I don't know why they won't pay great, but it just seems like mm-hmm. they don't pay great. Okay, mm-hmm. they don't have a stadium that seems conducive to that atmosphere that you get on on really good college game days. Um, they don't have great facilities, and I know the facilities can be a little bit overrated. When you guys were winning big down there, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. And like Sap said a couple weeks ago. Who gives a damn mm-hmm. about them if you're winning national championships? So the problem is you're not mm-hmm. right now. So to get kids mm-hmm. there, the, this new generation seems interested in facilities and uniforms for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just saying on several fronts. Now, you've got other things that are good. Great school, really good academic school. Obviously, you're in Miami. Now, that can be seen as a positive or a negative because you get parents who come down from, say, Georgia, more rural, and they say, mm-hmm. I, don't want, I don't want to drop Johnny off here. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I mean, I hear you. Would you, in your opinion, say it's a top ten job in the country? No, no. I'd say I put it this way. I, I would say it's firmly in fifteen to twenty-five. I mean, it's not a bad job. I'm not trying to. I mean, I just lit up a program that honestly, it's still one of the better jobs because of the tradition, where you are, the the access to talent, all that stuff. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. say. It's not it's not a good job. I mean, hell, I'd rather be there, frankly, than Iowa. No offense to Iowa, but um, I'm just saying I don't think it's I don't think it's <laughs> um, anywhere near. Okay, I get you know I I I, I get, get your point. I don't know how yeah I don't know how far I'm going to go into in this discussion here today about um, the next coach because I've been asked this several times now on social media here in the last 12 hours. I don't have a name for the next coach. I do, Emil, feel very strongly that I know what the characteristics I know the characteristics that need to be had for the next coach that's here. Call me pompous, whatever. I think a lot, a lot of people out there, maybe 90% of the people out there, I could be wrong on that number two, don't know what the characteristics need to be of the next coach that comes in here. I'm I'm a perceptive individual. I've studied this, and I I feel very strongly that I know what that needs to be. And because I so strongly know those characteristics, I can't put a person's name to it right now. So all these people out there that are speculating or trying to put these this list together, and they're just grabbing names of either former Canes or current successful coaches and think, you just insert this guy here. Well, uh, we're going to rise to the top of the charts, and we're going to be a perennial uh, college football playoff participant. You're wrong, people. You're wrong. It's not going to be that easy. There are certain very specific things that the next coach needs to have, and it's just not as simple as a name. This well, one care. I, Miami. People asked me on Saturday, and that was my exact answer. got no idea. And I will tell you this, and I'm going to – Later we'll tie it in because we'll be talking about other coaching moves when we get to the college board from Saturday. So uh, mm-hmm. and my comments to Miami in a different way will also pertain to my school, USC. But with Miami, the one characteristic that I think you need, um, it's a unique place. I think you need someone who really understands the city of Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you uh, can just – I don't think you can get someone, Kurt. It may be, Emil, someone – from here, or it may not be someone from here. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was not from Florida. He was not from South no, Florida. He was no, not no, no, from no. Miami, yeah, but understood the lay of the land when he showed up here. Had never been here before. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a guy that used to play here, a guy that has been here, just someone that gets it, that understands it. I am 
going to write an article on this detailing the characteristics that I th- that I think the next coach needs to have. I'll tr- I'll lay it out as as best I can. I'll do the best writing job possible. I do for our listeners out there. I do have an article that's up right now. You can get that on gridironstuds.com forward slash blog. Or you know what? Right now, uh, you can go to gridironstuds.com and it'll just take you straight to the blog. Um, and it's called Will We Dance Again? And I kind of detail the past the current and the future for the University of Miami. I think it's a good read. I think it's one of the better articles I've written. I hope people can read it, and I'd love to get some comments on it. But there's another article coming about the coaching search and and not who the next guy needs to be, what that next guy needs to be. And then maybe over time here we can try and figure out what's the name that can match that. And so – well, I'm a big kind believer. I think you are too. In, in generally speaking, no matter what the sport, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, certain teams, you know, through the course of their history, have an identity. And I usually feel it's, mm-hmm. it's important to stick to that identity because it's ingrained in the culture of either the, the organization in pro sports or the mm-hmm. school. So if mm-hmm. I walked up to a college football fan who didn't have a, a dog in the fight, and I said, mm-hmm. "University of Miami, what do you think of?" I mean, I can tell you, if you said that to me, I think of defense. For, even for all the offensive players that have come there, the Vinny Testaveris, the Michael Irvins, all that stuff, that's not really what I think of. I think of defense. I think of mm-hmm. linemen penetrating and hitting guys in the backfield. I think of linebackers blowing guys up. I think of corners running with receivers and, and shadowing them all over the field like mm-hmm. a blanket. That's what I think of. Right. So for me, uh, I, you know what I, most fans I, think of? It, and this is a great thing. You can think of a lot of things. You could think of quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers. And everything. You know, I mean, everything has – you've well, had sure. stars at every position at the University of Miami. It's just what do you gravitate to? Well, Miami to, never won like Baylor is what I'm trying to tell you. Miami was never a school that went out and said, we're going to win games 62-40. That's just not – Miami was a school that went out when they played the big games. They could shut mm-hmm. a team down. Just shut them down. Oh yeah, yeah. No, just you know, yeah. you know the Oklahoma teams that came in here that were yes, rolling up seventy that's points. That's what I'm and, talking yeah, about. I get that. You know, no, I definitely get that part of it. Who do you guys out there, our listeners right now, think should be the next Hurricane coach? I'm really interested in hearing some of these names. I want to, I want to hear some of the names that have not really been considered. But I'll also hear. Uh, I want to hear people call in with the names that have been considered and how many people think. This is uh, the, the best idea, the, the, the great idea, the next guy to come in here. I would love to hear that. You could reach us on the show today with that, 347-633-9365. If you just want to call and give the name and hang up, if you're not too cool on talking on the radio, that's fine. But uh, if you want to call in and give us some of the reasons why you think this particular coach should be the next guy at the University of Miami, we'll certainly welcome that as well. So, again, the number is 347-633-9365. And, Emil, you get, you get a wide – I don't know if this is what has happened with USC, but you get the wide range of crazy names uh, that are being thrown out there. Everything well, from uh, The Rock. So people want The Rock. Uh, the prevailing name is Butch, Butch Davis. Um, no. I don't know how much I'm on that train. I, have you? You, you know what? You kind of focused me with me. my own. You kind of focused me though, with my own team, and it's mm-hmm. becoming clearer to me. I think you know. I, I think what happens is when you're a fan of a of a team, mm-hmm. y- you almost have to stop yourself from becoming a fan and try to be analytical. You know, and I, I remember we were going through the whole. You know. Uh, with USC, you know, the same way Miami's throwing out Butch Davis, the obvious is, oh, let's just get Chip Kelly. And mm-hmm. 
we've covered that in other shows. I, yeah, it I seemed think, easy. It, see, it, just it seems easy, easy, but I don't right? think Chip, Chip Kelly's Kelly, yeah. going there. And, and I'm not even saying he'd be a bad hire. Maybe he does win there, but my problem goes back to what you said. If he doesn't, you really set yourself back four or five years. So I think it's becoming clearer to me. I'll talk about that when we get to the games uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. What I will say mm-hmm. for Miami, and I want to ask you before we go to break, if they go, would, would this be okay with you if it was the right guy? A, mm-hmm. a highly successful high school coach from down there, just like uh, UNLV did. And, and actually, he's been doing a great job out there, by the way. Um, would you be okay with that, or is that, nah, I'm not down with that? Mm, uh, you, you ask me that right now? No. Uh-uh. Okay. That you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be overwhelmed. I, I'm never in favor of that kind of jump at any level. I'm not in favor of the college football head coach jumping to NFL head coach. We've seen that fail many times. I think you are better off as a college, even a highly successful college football coach jumping to the NFL as an assistant or a coordinator for 3 to 4 years before you say, "Okay, I get what what goes on here. Now I'm I'm ready to take the job." So that jump from high school head coach to college football head coach, I think that's an even harder gig. So yeah. uh, there's no way there's no way in hell I think that that that's that's the answer. We and we've got a good five minutes here before the break, so we've got some time. To, um, to well, my it. other thing is, you know, you look at what you just said. I think the problem for many college coaches jumping to the NFL is this. To me, there's two kinds of highly successful college coaches. There's the guy who's been highly successful in say the American Athletic Conference. So right now you got, you know, you got the guy at Temple, the guy at Houston, the guy at Memphis, uh, even the Navy coach. They're all. Doing very well in a you know a, a, a one you know a, a B level like a B actor okay they're in the B movies they're not in the Power Five conference they could probably do what you just said like okay I'm leaving Temple or I'm leaving Houston I'm going to be the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers they can do that it wouldn't seem odd and kind of be like a coach in waiting there mm-hmm. but like when mm-hmm. you get to a level of say let me say, like an Urban Meyer. He can't do that. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. So I think mm-hmm. some coaches, once they get to that you know, apex, where they're in those ten programs we've talked about in other shows, like Urban Meyer at mm-hmm. Ohio State, Saban at Alabama, mm-hmm. if USC had a coach, I think it's very hard mm-hmm. to jump to the NFL. Now, Pete Carroll did it. Jimmy Johnson did it from some of those programs. But they're outliers. Very few of those mega big-time college coaches ever have success I think in the what NFL. Jimmy Johnson did is the is – the most unique, um, I don't even know what the word is to use for it. I think what he what he did um, had never been done, hasn't been done since, and I don't know that it ever will happen again. Well, Pete Carroll's pretty case, close Pete now, Carroll, let's, let's Pete, be honest. Pete Carroll spent time in the NFL. Jimmy Johnson did none of that. Pete that's true. Had already no, that's been in, true. He had been in the NFL. He failed miserably, and he at least had some notes in a notebook somewhere as to where I went wrong, and if I had this chance again, here's what I would do. Jimmy Johnson had none of that. All college, all the time, which 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 speaks to the superlatives of what he did. He came straight from college, and and it helped that he had such – you know what it did help? I think he he was helped on a number of you know fronts. First, I'm taking over a team that's totally in the dumps, and I've got a – Longtime friend here who's going to just give me a blank check, at least to start off with, before Jerry felt like he needed to be uh, more notarized. He gave Jimmy a blank check, and it allowed him to make the biggest move ever, which was that Herschel Walker trade. If you had a a Thunder Fist owner, that trade probably doesn't happen, and I think the whole course of what happened there with the Cowboys would have – 
would have changed. No, so, I agree as far as not having notes, but I will say this. Carroll's job, when you look at what my, Seattle, for those of you who don't remember, 2008, that team was 4-12. 2009, they were 5-11. and 11. Pete got there in 2010. Now, you think about what he inherited. He, he inherited a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, no, and doubt, he, no doubt. And he, and, and, and he, he, and he came yes, within a yard he did of it turned around. Yep, and he came within a yard of going back to back. Now, you know, he'll forever, you know, have to live with that because I think had he done that, it would have placed him. Uh, we talked about this on the show. Jimmy won one national championship at Miami. Hard to believe because it mm-hmm. seemed like he he won more because they were winning. It so was much, always but he won in one. It. You know, it was always in. It was it, always yeah. in it, but he won one. He won two with the Cowboys, and I I say three because. Uh, you know, you or I probably could have held the whistle the way Switzer did and won that third one. But uh, Pete right, would have been exactly. two and two. Pete could have won two. He won the two at USC, and he had a chance to win two in the NFL. So I, anyway, regardless, those two guys are unique. That's more of the outlier. Most mega college coaches, the big-time guys that have tons of success in college, like an Urban Meyer, they don't do well in the NFL. They should never leave college. Yeah, they they own that college thing. They know it inside out. They dominate it. And college is not NFL. So you in life, as you get older, you want to stick to what it is you've been successful with. And it gets harder for them now when they go to the NFL to realize you've got to make a number of changes, which means departing and almost starting over with what you know as a coach. And I think that's the hardest part for them. All right, there was other college football games that went on this weekend that we need to talk about. But for you listeners out there, this is a topic that's open for the entire show. So if we go off to something else, we go to the NFL, feel free to still call in here. Tell us who you think the next University of Miami football coach should be. You could tell us the reasons why. You could tell us what you think about the Al Golden era. You could tell us about how you felt being at the stadium. Anything University of Miami, you're free to call on that today. And it's 347-633-9365. Let's jump real quick on the some of the games that went down this weekend. Never a dull moment in college football, uh, and that was the case again. It Remember, these weren't great with, games, we said. Remember before the week we were saying, oh, yeah, there's not a lot the of best unranked. No, it, no, it was not the best slate um, ever, but uh, there's always a storyline and some type of drama. And you know, Look, it started at noon for me right there in front of my face with this 58 nothing shellacking that Miami took. Uh, but it did stretch into some other things. And one of those things, Emil, was Florida State Seminoles going to Georgia Tech. It was just supposed to be another game, just another ACC opponent. Florida State is riding high. Dalvin Cook can't be stopped. The pass offense is starting to get going. Florida State looks like the juggernaut that's going to head back and be in the college football playoff thick of things, run for this national title for the third straight year. And something happened there. And I was not able to watch this game. I did see the final part of the football game. And in a restaurant, I watched this ball get blocked, this this field goal, this long field goal attempt get blocked, and watched the kid pick it up. And when he hit the sidelines, Emil, I knew, I knew it was going to be a serious problem uh, for the Florida State Seminoles. Because when you think about a field goal team, there aren't very many defensive guys out there, not very many athletes, and... Lo and behold, Florida State goes down, and I dare say, I think their college football playoff hopes may be done. Well, I'm not going to ever say done yet because we don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out. I will say this, because uh, you remember, they're going to get a game with Clemson. and they got to beat Clemson and Florida and hope both of those yes. teams keep winning like they do to have a yes. chance, man, because you're in the ACC, and it's not – not respected like that. You go in there with one loss and another SEC team has a one loss and y'all are fighting for that fourth spot. 
SEC team's getting that. Period. End of story. Well, yeah. Here's your problem now. You know, the SEC champion pretty much is getting in. Okay, look at it that way. Unless it's some goofy championship where, you know, you know somehow a Vanderbilt, four loss team. Vanderbilt is still alive, by the way, in the SEC East. Now, if they somehow make it there, right, um, right. But let's just say win, generally. No, let's assume Alabama or LSU is the SEC champion. They're getting in, okay? That's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The Big Ten champion, I'm going to assume for now it's Ohio State, but even if Michigan State were to upset them, Michigan State's getting in. I mean, as unimpressive mm-hmm. as they've been at times this year, they're getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a good chance that I think the winner of, believe it or not, I think if Stanford and Notre Dame play the last game of the season and – Whoever wins that game, assuming Stanford can hold serve in the Pac-12 title game, if they were to beat mm-hmm. Notre Dame, I think one mm-hmm. of those two teams is getting in if they don't lose again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think you got the Baylor TCU winner, unless those two teams take a couple losses besides the one they they inflict on each other. I I think mm-hmm. the winner of that 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 game is getting in, unless you know somebody comes out of nowhere, uh, beats them, and you know. So just, you nowhere know, in there have you said Florida State. No, I mean, well, here's the problem. Then I we didn't even talk about Clemson yet. So I mean, I think right. the only team that could get in from the ACC is if Clemson runs the table. You've got to put them in. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, of course. And here's uh, why. By the way, here's why this playoff is starting to break down already. We've talked about it. You got to have the Power Five conference teams automatically in, which means that's five. You got to have eight teams. Five and three is eight. You have three at large because this is going to be a year where you start to see. How four just doesn't work. We just named teams: Baylor, TCU, uh, Oklahoma's been impressive after the loss to Texas. What if they go eleven and one and beat Baylor and TCU? Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, Stanford. I mean, mm-hmm. Alabama, yeah. I, I LSU. Know. There's a ton of there's a ton of hurdles there, and how that plagues the mind of uh, the Florida State players, who again, and I know how this works, and I know how this plays mentally. Uh, are used to being in the thick of things, and when you start falling out of that category, your games and your season starts to lose meaning. So it's going to be a, uh, this may be one of the biggest coaching jobs for Jimbo Fisher here is to keep this team together, keep them focused, keep the fire in their belly for the rest of the season. Um, and if they do happen to lose a Clemson game, it's going to get even tougher to keep them interested because it gets it turns into a mindset of what are we playing for here, you know. Uh, we're not in this thing like we used to be. We're now have no chance at the college football playoff. What's the you know what 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 are we out here preparing and going hard for? That's a tough thing. Hold you that heard thought. Hold that thought. We'll answer. I'll answer that for you a little later in the show. But go ahead. I understand what you're saying. Hold that thought though. Oh yeah, because absolutely. I think that that's... Um, yeah. Well, let's 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 kind of move on from that. You know, Florida State did what they did. We'll have to see how they respond here. Tennessee, poor Tennessee. I mean, how many times this year are they going to be involved in a f- complete fisticuffs down to the last-minute battle and come up short on it? Uh, it happened to them once again. They had Alabama, and they let them off the hook. So um, it's another close loss for for Tennessee, one similar to what they had with Georgia and Florida and Oklahoma. And, uh, well, they did win the Georgia game, let me not say that, but uh, Alabama takes them out. And uh, it's their third loss. I, you know, I did come into the season saying Tennessee's a year away, and it's kind of shaping up that way. If they can start turning some of these things around next year, these close losses, they're okay. But for now, Tennessee fans have to be feeling sick. And once again, Alabama skirts out. Yeah, 
No, I, I, I agree. They get, you know, but that's that's all Nick cares about, really. You know, you said it before the game when we were doing the picks. You said, "Geez, I kind of have a feeling Tennessee will cover this because Alabama only cares about, you know, do we win the game? We don't really care what yeah. the final score is." Yeah, he's told the media a long time ago. Look, you guys can get all jacked up about, you know, did we win by forty? Uh, we're Alabama. We're still held as the gold standard in college football. So, you know, we'll just take the win. Thank you very much. And so they did. Yep. 1914, uh, they keep going. And uh, it's they're still alive in that West race. But speaking of that, Mississippi, who controls their destiny, cleared a very important hurdle here when they went out and defeated Texas A&M. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't see a 23-3 to game. I don't know about you. I, that's just not No, I no. I, I actually thought A&M, well, obviously, when we got to the picks, I thought A&M was going to win this game. I really didn't like what I saw from Mississippi, which, which makes me wonder, you, you know, how good is Memphis? <laughs> Memphis uh, may be that deal, man. Uh, I think we're going to get to find that out in their bowl game because they're going to end up being, if they continue, they're going to be end up uh, they're going to end up being matched up against someone really, really serious. So um, we'll get to see if this is the greatest Memphis football team of all time. What lies ahead for Ole Miss, though, is a date at Auburn, who has uh, got to be down in the dumps after losing to Arkansas. Uh, then they face that Arkansas team, and then the really, really big game is going to be their game against LSU. Um, if they can clear that hurdle, then they're in the driver's seat. But they do end the the season with the Egg Bowl, so it's a little bit of a tough go here for Ole Miss. Well, but they're again, in the driver's seat do. regardless at this point because you know you look at it; they've already beaten Alabama. So regardless mm-hmm. of what happens in the Alabama LSU game, if they beat LSU and you know win out, they're going to win the SEC West. True, true. Uh, I don't know where Mississippi State stands. I, I guess they're they'd be out of it. Um, so they could win all the way up to Mississippi State, and I'm checking on well, that I'm right now. Well, I'm saying that Mississippi State's got two losses, so Mississippi would would have beaten them. I'm saying if they win out and they and they finish ten and two, they will have a win against Mississippi State, LSU, and they've already beaten Alabama. So they're, they're your yeah. So they it just comes your, down to that LSU game, I guess. Um, basically, what it, as long what as they can win down. the other ones, yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, yep, no no doubt about it. So that's going to be interesting watching. Watching that unfold as uh, as as we continue to roll on. And by the, the way, I don't so know many. how that's going to happen because I don't think they're close. I mean, I don't think they're the best team in the SEC if they win it anyway. I mean, I saw what Florida did to them the day you were there, uh, and you know, mm-hmm. losing to Mem- I don't care how good Memphis is this year uh, at home. You know, you know, just even at Memphis, you can't you can't lose by two touchdowns to Memphis. Amo, hey, what do you make of? Stanford in the Pac-12. If you watch them that first week, you're like, oh, this is going to be an awful year. I see four or five losses here for Stanford. You score six points against Northwestern, and then something happens, and now they are an offensive juggernaut somehow, some kind of way. Well, they were highly regarded coming. They were they were highly regarded coming into the year. I don't know what happened. Um, I, I I watched that game against Northwestern. I have no idea what happened. They actually looked like they partied in Chicago that night and then just went and played. I mean, that was just that would pathetic. be that would be so un Stanford like too, by the way. But yeah, but I mean, there it just seemed it. like that. Um, but after that, they've gone crazy. And I'll tell you, you would get a kick. Uh, I think you would watching that quarterback from Stanford in person mm-hmm. Because I I had an end zone seat watching him and honestly he takes you to where the football's going. I can't understand how they can score this many points. <laughs> For the life of me I can't. 
<laughs> uh, I could look. Uh, maybe I could shed a little light on that. That they can run the ball so hard on you that I don't think there are many guys back there in the secondary seeing his eyeballs when he wants to stare down a receiver. Everyone's at the line of scrimmage trying to stop uh, McCaffrey from ripping off a 10, 12-yard run. Now, you put him in a spread offense where there's eight guys back there looking at your eyes, yeah, he's probably going to throw it to the other team a great amount. But Yeah, my, wa- uh, my wife thought I was like some sort of soothsayer. We're watching the game, and I'm going, oh, the ball's going over here to tight end. How do you know? I said, well, the quarterback just looked at him <laughs> the whole yeah, time. Um, that's that's the great thing about a, a hardcore running game. You can get away with crap like that. So, um, you know, at some point that might catch up with them. But as long as they're running the ball like that, they're going to have what they need. Uh, Ohio State, they helped me. You know what? I'm going to save that because obviously we need to talk about our picks. I don't know if there's anything else on the board outside of our picks that you want to talk about. If there is, uh, speak now or forever hold your No, we'll cover it because our, our picks covered some of the games that we really, you know, had had some interest in. And, yeah, you, you went know, we you went big them. time. Yeah, you 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 were you were the big game hunter. Um so you covered you covered some of the big games that were out there and I did as well. The biggest one being uh USC versus Utah. There was no reason, no rhyme or reason to this line being three and a half midway through this week. And at some point between Friday night and Saturday kickoff, Amel, it went from three and a half to six, six and a half. So, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I guess I'll go first here since I started talking about this game. Um, I don't know what happened there. They claimed the whole, the uh, quote unquote sharps were moving this line like that, and what information they may have had. I mean, it's almost like you want to look into that. Why? Well, how, you know, here's why, why that I line say moved, that's a lot of that's a big move, Emil. Oh, it's a huge move. But you know what I say. I, and this is where I, where I wanted to expound. You said, what are you playing for? Now, USC, by the way, is still firmly in control. They could win the South, basically. Now, by beating Utah, if they win out and Utah takes one loss somewhere along the way, they're going to win the South. But you're playing for your school. You're playing for pride. The good, And that's, you know, I'm tying this all together now. You were talking about coaching before. I said to you, I sent you a text over the weekend, and I want to see how the season plays out before I say this, but maybe the coach for USC is standing right there on the sideline right now. I don't know, Emil. Man, history says that interim stuff just does not work. But out. here's the point: this this guy's a relatively young guy. He's taken over now twice. Back when they they hired Sark after Kiffin was gone and Ogeron quit, he took over in a very difficult circumstance for a bowl game against Fresno. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to get USC fired up to play Fresno. Fresno had Derek Carr. They were an 11 and two team, so they were a quality opponent. They they mm-hmm. beat them by like 35 points. They killed them. Then he comes in mm-hmm. in this situation, which may be more difficult than that one. They go on the road mm-hmm. at Notre Dame. They have a lead. They play very well. I mean, they gave it up in the fourth quarter, but Notre Dame's a, a, a good team. And then they come back in a game like this after a, a loss to a rival and just put one on a Utah team that is almost the mirror image of Stanford. We're going to punch mm-hmm. you in the mouth. We have De- Devon Booker. We're going to run the ball down your throat. We're going to see how tough you are. Yeah. To me, well, that uh, says something. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's definitely. What if he won the rest of his games? I mean, just saying. What if he won out? Would you say that he can't be the coach? Um, I I, I just listen. I I believe a lot in history. History was my favorite subject in school, and that mm-hmm. stuff has just never worked out. I think your players behave one way when you come in as interim, and then something different happens once you are the guy. It's kind of like the backup 
quarterback coming in. When you come in as the backup, you are hellfire. You got nothing to lose. They just benched this dude that's in front of me. He's not coming back in, so I'm going to throw these bombs. I'm going to take some chances. I'm going to wing it, and, you know, it kind of works out for you. And then two, three weeks later, when you are announced on Wednesday is a starter for the rest of the year, stuff starts to change for you. And uh, it's very difficult as a player when you see a, a coach as an assistant and you see him as an assistant, and then now that role changes and he's the head coach. And it it, it just gets weird. It gets it gets funny. So I think well, I'll take your word at that because you know more about that than I do. All I'm going to say is. Kyle Whittingham, after that game, he put in his, you saw my note, dear Lord, please hire me at, at this job. What was his quote after the game? That's the most talented uh, team we'll play all year from a personnel standpoint. We won't play a better team than that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and this is something that I think you had been saying on the show. So, well, nevertheless, at the end of the day, man, I did take USC. <laughs> oh, that was a great pick, contest. by the way. That took guts. Oh, it, it, trust me, I was uh, um, a little nervous on it, but I held true to the whole. You know, that's where experience comes in. You know, picking picking games all all these years is like that line looks really really funky. So, um, I, you know, I went I went the I went the other way on it, and it's it worked out in 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 grand fashion for me. Um, another one was Ohio State. Just something in me said, Emil, that it was time for this team to flex a little muscle. Uh, people had been down on them. Um, I think Urban kind of kicked over a trash can and said, you know what, to hell with it. JT Barrett, you're our guy. Make it happen. Let's stop playing this whole back and forth thing. And I think with that, send a message to the team like, hey, let's get this thing going. We're getting closer to the end of this season. I know you guys just want to get back to the playoffs. Um, and it's time now to really start looking like that team. And, and that's what they went out and did. So. He was very efficient, uh, that, by the way. I think he's distinguished himself. I think that offense runs better with him. He was 14 of 18 in this game, threw for like 220 yards, three TDs. I just think they look more like they did last year for the better part of the year when he plays quarterback, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And then the uh, final pick was uh, going against Penn State. This is more a pick against Penn State than Maryland. I've watched a couple Penn State games. I've been watching this whole phenomenon with Penn State for the last couple of seasons where they're trying to make them out to be something that they're not. Uh, you know, it's college football. You're in a major Power Five conference. It is the Big Ten. You know, forget about whatever Maryland is right now this season. Maryland's had some uh, a very, very tough schedule. Penn State's not that team to go out on the road and just go lay damn near a touchdown on somebody. They'd, they'd done nothing up to that point to make me feel like they were worthy of anything like that. And despite the fact that Maryland had been losing games, they'd shown some fight in those contests. And so, uh, well, I think I that was a good pick by you. By the way, I, I really do. I'm not just blowing smoke here. I thought you, I think you made a good pick, and um, I liked it after you gave your reasoning on the show on Friday. Even you know, I started looking at Penn State's schedule a little bit myself, and I said, well, okay, you know, Temple took care of them. And then they had a win against Buffalo, a win against Rutgers, a win against San Diego State. They held on for dear life to beat Army by six points at home. They had a good game against Indiana. They blew them out. Then they got hammered by Ohio State. So I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. you know what? There's nothing on that schedule. It tells me they should be laying close to a touchdown on the road. So I actually thought as soon as you said it, and I did a little research myself, I'm like, guy made a good pick. Yeah, wasn't wasn't feeling it. So that worked out for me. A, a 3-0 weekend and a 3-0 Saturday. So I don't know where that puts me. You're the man with the numbers. Where, where am I? 16-8 and eight for the season in college football. Very impressive. Hey, two, winning two-thirds of the game, always, always good. So 
um, a good weekend for me in, in terms of that, and I'm back to where I'm comfortable uh, in college football. Well, how'd your weekend go? Let the fans Not so much for me. I, I, you know, I wish you could have pulled the clip up because, like, you know, when I say good things, I brag. When I say stupid things, <laughs> you know, I like to take, I like to own them. Uh, mm-hmm. I said Miami could win outright on Saturday. Boy, was I wrong, man, huh? Amel. You know what? I I would love to truck you for that. Who saw this coming? Like, who could have seen that? So coming? you know me. I don't have to take two losses for that one. I thought <laughs> no, you were going to charge although, me a double on that. Although, man, they did enough there. They did enough there to spread that out over three games. Yeah, they, yeah. So yeah, I mean that was terrible. So I took Miami plus seven. There's nothing left to say there. It was a loss. And then mm-hmm. earlier you alluded to a pick I made. I really felt like after what I saw from Mississippi uh, getting beat by Memphis, not just the fact that they lost the game, it just wasn't a dramatic loss. They got beat by two touchdowns. It was kind of like they got handled. So I kind of felt like mm-hmm. between that and the Florida game, mm, their season may be starting to unravel on them. And, you know, I felt like A&M showed some fight against Alabama. I expected more of an effort. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I'm not sure what A&M is at this point in the season after watching this game. They scored three points. They get throttled 23-3. The game really wasn't even that close. I took a loss. And, you know, I'm going to have to be very careful picking A&M the rest of the season. Can I just I jump just, in there on this? And I don't, you know, you may agree with this or not. I think if Kevin Sumlin gets a decent offer somewhere, he needs to he needs to leave Texas A&M. I think the time is up there. Oh, I said that. I think, I you think had listen, that. they yeah, wanted, you had that time they wanted him go. last go-around at USC. They really did. They wanted him, mm-hmm. and A&M stepped up with some big money. I think Kevin Sumlin is a very good coach. And I don't know I if don't he'd think... be the right guy for USC, but it would be right if he got that USC offer for Kevin Sumlin to jump on that and move on to the next thing. Cause it's, it's, I think it's Sumlin's going to be a good coach Texas. wherever he goes, Chad. I mean, I look at, you know, mm-hmm. people are forgetting what he was up against at A&M. When he went to A&M, you know, they were still kind of second fiddle to Texas. They were mm-hmm. moving into the SEC. Which you know they're in the SEC West, so look where he's recruiting. I mean, he's he's going up against you know if the SEC has a heavyweight side, it's the West with Alabama, LSU, mm-hmm. now Mississippi, Auburn. <laughs> I mean, and mm-hmm. and they've been quite successful there. And when Manziel left, we all said, oh well, you know they probably they probably won't. My be any only good problem anymore. with Sumlin at USC is just how much attention would be played to defense, and I insist that USC has to have that identity. They have to have the running game and the defensive identity. That'd be my only problem with Sumlin. Uh, yeah, I think he's an awesome coach. I think he's a great coach. I don't know that he's a coach for everywhere. I think he's a coach, a, a great coach at certain places. So um, there are some yeah, coaches no, you, out there that, where they'll be valid, great wherever. That's a valid point. That's a valid point. That's going to come out in the interview process anyway because if you're, if you're doing your job and you're on that search committee or board of directors or whoever does it, trustees, you're going to say to the guy, listen, we're about, you know, we produce linebackers. We produce safeties. This is what we're about. What's your philosophy on that? And if you know if you don't get the right answer, then maybe he's not your guy. But I mean, anyway, I like Sumlin. I just didn't know what to make of this. Um, I'm not sure the quarterback's a little young there. I'm not sure what's going on mm-hmm. at A&M, but they really got throttled in this game. So I took another loss. Mm-hmm. And then finally, and you said this Friday, you said you will be holding on for dear life, and I said, well, I may be, but I just <laughs> I think Missouri's done. And I mm-hmm. took Vanderbilt as a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home when I gave the pick. Man, i got to give you a big kudos on that because you dug that one up from the, the bottom of a purse, the bottom of a chest. Yeah. Like you went far off to get that one, and it, it worked out for you. 
Well, I just felt like, you know what, if you're going to win a game, this guy's got to get his first SEC win. There's not a team riper right now than the way Missouri's playing offense. And that kind of plays into the way Vanderbilt plays. Vanderbilt doesn't have much offense themselves, but they have a pretty damn good defense. So that's the kind of game you can win if you're if you're Vanderbilt when you're home because you only need 13 points to get it done. And uh, they did it. They won outright. I got a win there. So I was 1-2 and two on the week, disappointing. My record for the season in college is still 15-9, and nine, so I would say – pretty good yeah no doubt about that it's been what three games now since missouri scored a a or or, or damn near three games since they've scored a touchdown it's pretty much a historical drought for them we're going to take a break but before we do that let's jump out to the phone lines and take a call caller you on the gridiron stud show how you doing this robert from michigan man how you fellas doing today good 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 man uh obviously a very um dramatic week in college football that is extending beyond the Saturday, uh, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, did you have did you have some thoughts on our hot topic? Oh, man, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about Miami, uh, um, sure. I just kind of got on the call. I got back in late. But speaking about Miami, man, sometimes I think uh, – I think sometimes you kind of need a destroy and rebuild type of situation. Sometimes you got to kind of just something like what happened this past weekend has to happen for a program to move forward as opposed to a, a coach keep losing by a little bit and there's excuses mm-hmm. that can be made or the 80s like, oh, okay, well, we Well, they weren't losing by a program. little bit. Like, Al made a habit of losing by double digits in big games, although, you know, he did avoid that in Florida State. But other than that, you know, they'd get hammered in these games. But I feel your point. I hear you. You, you needed that yeah. moment to say, damn, we hit the low. Yeah, hit the low. And it's just, you know, it, it's, it's certain programs that are staples of college football. And it's like, I'm sure there's a lots of fans that don't like the in-your-face style that Miami has always been that are, like, reveling mm-hmm. in this. But I've always mm-hmm. enjoyed that style of football, even though I'm a Notre Dame fan. Our fans are pretty uppity and stuff like that. So it's just sad to see Miami go through it. But, I mean, I, I don't really know – who do you think should be the, the like? Who, who do you think is a good candidate to be uh, the next coach I, or a couple? Of I really, I really want to ask you that, Robert, because early on in the show, I said it's not going to be a simple hire. While a lot of fans want to say that, they want to throw out the names of former Canes and say you insert them, and we're hey, we're going to just hit the escalator and run right back up. It's not going to be that simple. But before we jump into that, I do want to ask you this and make this comment. Yeah, you're a Notre Dame fan. And by rule, you should hate the University of Miami because of all the things that went on back in the days between the two teams. However, I don't necessarily think that is the mindset of the of the fans of the teams that were Miami's greatest rivals. You have to love what the University of Miami was because it made the Miami versus Notre Dame game must-see. Like, you will get in a car accident yeah. getting home from the grocery store, from the mall. You cuss out your wife because she won't get out of – you know, uh, uh, Tom McCann, if I could pull up an old <laughs> store, you you were in a hurry to get home to see that game because of who Miami was. And if they were choir boys, it wouldn't have been that kind of a game. Well, can I, wait, so, can I well, jump in here on this? Because I think Robert and I can, can agree on something. He's, he's a big Notre Dame fan. I'm a USC fan. I root for UCLA to lose every game. I want mm-hmm. Notre Dame to be good. See, for me, mm-hmm. watching that game, because, you know, that's one of my favorite games in all of sports is the USC-Notre Dame game. Watching that game means something to me because I want both teams to come in, uh, uh, you know, being, you know, 
in the hunt, in other words. I want them you to want a be moment. You good. want a moment. You want a college football historical moment while you're sitting there watching it. Yeah. Now, I root for UCLA to lose every game. Like, I don't care if they go 0-12. <laughs> okay, but, but Notre Dame, Notre Dame, I don't. And I think that's the way Notre Dame, the, the honest Notre Dame fans feel about Miami and USC and some of those programs yeah. that have made the rival of right. Michigan, you know. I mean, if people mm-hmm. want to be real, and you know, Miami, what they meant in the 80s and the 90s kind of made college football what it is today. And, it, it, you know, it no, made a lot you of know, rules No, Robert, that's a big part of the article. It's a big part of the article I have up on Gridiron Studs' uh, blog right now is that it's that, the very program that I think there's been a, con- a concerted effort over the last 10, 15 years to silence uh, with with strategic uh, legislative moves and the NCAA sanctions, the very team you have tried to silence is the very team who brought all of these eyeballs to college football and grew it from a million-dollar business to a billion-dollar business. And it's sad that that's happened, but that's that's actually a very good point, and I'll say this to both of you. Consider what I'm going to say here. What many fans in sports forget is this, and regardless of who you're rooting for, every great team or person, okay, Need someone almost as great. Muhammad Ali needed Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier no doubt. helped make Muhammad Ali. The Lakers no and Celtics helped make each other. Okay? Mm-hmm. All these, like Notre Dame, isn't Notre Dame without the USC's and the Miami's and vice versa. So, so you, sure. if you're just rooting for that person to be in the dumps, it, it, it brings you down with it. Yeah, it does. Well, you know, you're Robert, not, you're. you're, like, you're Go ahead. Yeah, Robert, you're an astute guy. You're you're one of the better callers that we have into the show. So, give me give me tell me who you think should be the next coach at Miami, and if you've got more than well, one name, that's fine. And, and tell us the reasons why. The floor Man, is yours. I'm going to be honest with you. I really, I really, really don't know because a lot of people think that as you were talking about past co- like players playing and coaching is so different and so time-consuming to be a coach and stuff like that. You can't just take a player because they were a great player and say, hey, you know, he's going to be a, a great coach. I honestly think some of the problems with Miami right now are a lot of the a lot of the things as far as like the, the, the how the people are talking about the stadiums far away and but I don't I think that there's a good coach can come in and, and eradicate some of that but I honestly don't know. That's why I was calling in and being interested to see what your perspective was on that. I can't tell you because before Charlie Strong got hired at Texas, I thought that USC would be a good fit, even though I remember um you guys disagree with that. I don't really know, man. I really don't know. I, I was kind of calling in and talk about Kevin Sumlin, too, about like what, what the comments that you guys had about him. I don't really feel like, and I like him as a person, I don't feel like he's really that good of a coach. I'm not a fan of those coaches that throw the ball 50, 60 times a game because I don't never well, see you, anybody you, win. <laughs> you well, you I listen to the show, you. neither are we. The reason I say he's yeah. a good coach is because I think sometimes you have to understand where you're at. Now, I'm not saying Chad may be right. That just may be who he is, and if that's the case – I don't want him at you. Go to the Big he 12. Just made, Go to the Big 12. Yeah, he just he may realize though, you know, he walked into A&M, Texas was still pretty good. They were going to the SEC. He may have looked around and said, "You know what? If I don't do something goofy, I can't win here." See, you got to understand where you're at. I mean, if you're at Alabama, you don't have to do anything goofy. You just have to return them to being Alabama, play defense. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can you can get better players. A and M can't get better players unless they're doing something that attracts those players. So he may have just said to himself, "Hey, I don't really like throwing the ball fifty times a game, but if I don't do that, I'm not getting these guys here." 
Right. Just um, curious, who you may are be the right. names that you've heard floating out there for Miami's coaching job? Though? Who's, who, who, oh, who, has, who has been If the, you talk to the fans, if you talk to fans, they want uh, they want The Rock. They want Ray Lewis. They want Warren Sapp. <laughs> <laughs> if you talk to some, Those guys uh, if you talk to maybe – if you want some upper echelon fans uh, who kind of know what's going on and are not currently concussed, um, the name, the big name they like is is Butch Davis. I don't know that I agree with that. I've, uh, histor- history says a guy comes back and it's never like it was, and it's been 17 years. As I said to Emil in the beginning, um, um, I don't know. There wasn't even a World Wide Web the last time. Uh, Butch Davis. Do you guys want to laugh? Do, can I? Can you guys promise you won't laugh at me if I if I tell you off the top of my head who I think would be a nice mm. fit there? Go ahead. Mm. You can both chuckle when I tell you. I actually Can't think Charlie Strong would be a good coach at Miami. I, oddly enough, he's 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 somehow on that list. So maybe Charlie has thrown something out there. Perhaps he is. I'm not so. I'm not in a hurry to say yeah to any name right now. I, well, I know uh, you're not. You, you don't have to. You don't have to. You're thinking about it. What I'm saying it's is intriguing. off the top of my head. It, it's, in, it's, it's intriguing, intriguing because I look at him and I say he believes in defense, right? He believes in defense. He mm. he, he knows that area. He did well when he was at Louisville recruiting that area. Mm. He, he, you know, if you can get kids to come up to Louisville, and that's no disrespect to Louisville. I'm just saying if you can get if you can pull a kid from Florida with all those other schools down there, I mm. think he could be very successful. I think he's doesn't fit at Texas. The more I watch hey, him, let me let me let me tell let me tell you this. Right now, it might be easier to pull kids out of Miami when you're outside of it than it is to actually get them when you're here. That's where we're at right now. You can sell you there's a whole lot of things you can sell and there's some pretty good negative recruiting you can do when you're outside of Miami to grab Dade and Broward County kids than than you can to get them to stay home. And that's what's driving people down here crazy. So while Charlie might have been good recruiting this area when he was out of it, it it's going to be a different ball game for him when he's here. Yeah, there'll be that initial rush. Oh, it's Charlie Strong. But something sustainable. And that's what I'm trying to get across to our fan base and our listeners. Yeah, you might get a guy in here that can rise us and get us into that college football playoff one year. But you need to get a guy that can get something sustained here. Build something that could be sustainable. Even if you get a guy who can build a bridge to the next guy that can get something sustainable here. Butch Davis got something, got us up that ramp, and Larry Coker got us a championship, but it wasn't sustained. You got to get something sustainable. That'll be part of the next article that I write. What what I no think disrespect to, to Butch Davis. Sorry, no disrespect to Bush Davis, but he's like one of them guys that can't help himself from doing something that will get you back under the microscope, is my take. Because everywhere he's been, it's and you know, already dealing with the stuff Miami's been dealing with, being under sanctions and trouble and all that stuff. He, you know, it's like some people just are impulsive, and he seems like one of them guys that he'll know the rules, and it's like, oh, I need Robert, these players. Can, can I make a point there? I don't even think it's about purposely. Um, circumventing the rules. Here's what I think the problem with some of these guys is. And and I put Pete Carroll on that list, too. I don't think they necessarily go out to break rules. They just don't give a crap because they, all they care about is football. So they don't... See, when you're in... Mm. If you want to be a good college coach, you sure. have to you have to pay attention to that stupid rule book. And some of these guys mm. come in, they're like, all I care about is football. You know what I mean? T- send me 100 guys. Winning. Not just That's football, it. winning. That's Bill Belichick. Winning football. All right, look, we're going to let some air out of these balls. We're going to film their practices. Um, they might have something <laughs> to say about it. We'll deal with it then. 
uh, you know, that's what it, it is what it is, and I think he's cut from that mold. Um, but there's so many eyes on the University of Miami now that it might be hard for Butch to wait around. All right, we got to jump off, man. Robert, I appreciate the call. Appreciate you chiming in with your thoughts on things, man. Keep thinking about a coach, man. You can call back with some names in there for us. I'm gonna be all right, man. You... <laughs> Thanks all right, for calling, Robert. Nice Thank you. Y'all have a nice one now. All right. All right. We got to jump into a break. There was NFL football that went on yesterday, so we need to talk about that. But again, if you're out there and you're a listener and you have uh, some comments on the University of Miami football program, uh, past, present, future, feel free to call into the show at any time today. We'll take your call. It's 347-633-9365. For now, we're going to jump into a break. When we get back, we'll talk some NFL football here on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! open on Saturday in attendance at the University of Miami game. Um, just as soon as I got it closed, it was open again as I was watching the Miami Dolphins in that game against the Houston Texans, Emil. It was amazing to see it. As Some of the words in that song that says, we're on the ground, we're in the air, we're always in control. Man, damn it, that's exactly what I saw. Domination from every single phase of that game. I didn't, I didn't even know what I was watching right there. Forty-one to nothing at halftime? Are you kidding me? How about they look? They Miami look great, Dolphins? but let's let's also be honest, please. 
there was no fight in the Houston Texans. Matter of fact, they were sending a message in my mind uh, that maybe he's your guy. <laughs> shoot, me. shoot me, please. You know, I hear people say that. I get it. Okay, Houston's I'm being not sarcastic. good right now. No, Houston's not good right now. But it's an NFL football game. Those are professionals. And it's 41 to nothing at halftime. I mean, they came out absolutely with their hair on fire. So there is something there with Dan Campbell. This look, they look so unlike anything. There's no hint of what they're doing now. There was no hint of it at any time in those first four games with Joe Philbin. And, and Joe Philbin is still in South Florida, too, by the way. He has to be sitting there watching the games like, what in the total hell is going on here? Like well, who are these guys? Listen, I'm not. I'm not. Again, I saw nothing like this from the Dolphins the first four weeks of the season. So I give total credit to Dan Campbell. They're definitely playing a different level of football. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You could see it in the way just they're running the ball. They're they're aggressive. Uh, the defense looks. Everything looks better. All I'm trying to say is, no NFL team, unless they make seven turnovers, should trail another NFL team, 41 nothing. Mm-hmm. The two plays at Lamar Miller, the screen pass. And the run. Mm-hmm. That was some of the worst football I've seen in the NFL this year. I mean, that run, I could have I got 30 yards. It was well, like you the know, I heard this SD. last week, people saying this about Tennessee. So if, if right now Miami possesses the magic potion to show up and sprinkle dust in the opposition's eyes and make them totally unfeel like playing, well, then damn it, man, keep that going and take that up the road with you to Foxborough next week because you're going to need it. But um, if your energy and what you've got going on makes teams feel like giving up 38 and 46 points, you're on to something, whatever it takes. Oh, absolutely. You know, Listen, Campbell, Dan, next week we're going to see. They don't Dan have Campbell to win at Fox. Mm-hmm. They don't have to win at Foxborough. I mean, they, they really don't. They don't have to win at Foxborough. But they have to go up there and play at least the type of game the Jets played. I mean, where they're in the game – they show that they've turned the corner. It, it's a football game for four quarters. New England knows they're in a football game. If Miami loses a 27-23 game, uh, I'm with you. I'm like, hey, something's changed here. But if they go up there and get drilled, then I'm just going to mm-hmm. attribute the last couple of weeks to a new coach. Players got excited, and we played two teams from the worst division in football. Yeah, um, sure, sure. I, I can't see them getting drilled right now, Emil. Just too much emotion and fight. And um, if there's one thing I've learned – about professional sports is that, you know, these guys are getting paid a lot of money. And pick a professional sport. They're all getting paid a lot of money. They're getting paid so by and large because they've proven to be the best um, at this particular sport at this point in time. And to separate two professional teams when they get on the ice, the court, or the field, it's about emotion and intensity and preparation. And Miami seems to have that really big on their side right now. Can they beat the juggernaut known as the New England Patriots? I don't know. Maybe. I think if they come out the way they have in these past two games, they got a damn good chance of doing that, which I think suddenly can, makes this game very interesting. I, do I think too. they can I, be, I do as well. because the way the Patriots have played the last couple of weeks shows me that while they're very good, they're still vulnerable. I mean, they've been in some games against the Colts and Jets that, you know, a, a bounce here, a bounce there. You know, they could have got taken a loss. I I think they could get swept up by an emotional Dolphin team on Thursday on a short week where I think the emotion could help carry the Dolphins on a short week. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and fans down here are wondering how long can you keep up this kind of intensity 
that Miami's playing with. I say don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Let's just watch and see. But they're playing with a tremendous amount of emotion right now, and it's 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 really impressive to see what they're doing. They're executing in a way that you know, you know one would would have never have thought. The passing game. I mean, did you see the numbers on Tannehill? And you know, <laughs> you know our guy from the West Coast is itching to probably call into one of these shows and hand it to us. But uh, if I can look these up, I think he's 25 of 20, his last 26 for 360-something yards. He threw 18, he completed 18 of 19 passes. Yeah, I mean, he looks like Aaron Rodgers right now. And you can insert the, you look, look, Lamar, Lamar Miller right now looks like a young Adrian Peterson. I mean, he was the best back in, in football, you know, yesterday. So, um very interesting. No, there's no doubt. There, listen, there's no doubt that Campbell is definitely got something going there. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. So again, it was very interesting to see what the uh, Miami Dolphins were able to go out and do. Uh, I think I I think it's very very impressive. Um, you know, seeing them go out and execute in that kind of way. And I put this out there to uh, my Twitter followers yesterday. Um, it. For you folks out there that think it's just all about the players and that coaching doesn't really matter, this is this this should be a complete message to you there that coaching does matter. And yes, even though they make millions and millions of dollars, um, football players, professionals do still need to be motivated uh, because you know everything's even, as I said, between professional teams. Um, everyone's you know, motivated. Some need to to win to beat the other side that's motivated. You need to somehow become more motivated, and it takes the right coach to push the right button. Although I will say this during the week, I I think at some point, and you know, we'll, we'll talk as we go through the games in the NFL. And I've said this on other shows, and it comes evident week to week as you watch it. There's mm-hmm. not enough quarterbacks to go around this league, so there's just teams mm-hmm. that can't win because they don't have a mm-hmm. quarterback. Seriously, mm-hmm. um, doesn't matter who the coach is. True, we could have said that though about um, Ryan Tannehill. He's not horrible. They didn't have Tannehill, a Tannehill, he's not horrible. He's one of those guys that has the arm strength, has the size. There's just certain teams in this league you you can go through. They're perpetually looking for a quarterback. Look at Cleveland. They're playing McNown at quarterback. I saw some of that game on my dish yesterday, flipping. I mean, he's a journeyman. He's starting for them. Yeah, I mean, um, no doubt. Look, you can look at Houston. Uh, you can look at the team that Miami played, and they're in that situation. They've got, they've got uh, a half a guy out of two, and uh, they're struggling in that spot. Well, uh, you yeah, know what? I mean, you, know you said it to me, me yesterday. I, I do need to say this, as a uh, you know rehabbed Ram fan, just watching them. I mean, Foles is not the answer. I mean, that game was a whole lot closer than it needed to be because this guy couldn't do anything. No, you're right. That game should have been over. Got them that win. That game should have been over at halftime, okay? Um, It just didn't need to be that close. I mean, Gurley's running the ball, you know, having a great day. You should be able to do some things through the air when when you have that going on on the ground. The fact that, you know, they're passing for only 150 yards, in that game tells me that you like you said Foles just isn't the answer. He just he's not. I'm sorry. No, never has been, won't be, and the Rams will come up short again this year because they just don't have what they needed that position, which is sad because they have the other pieces. They've got themselves a bona fide running back and they have themselves a defense that's 
uh, for lack of a better term, badass. And I hate to see it wasted because, you know, eventually guys on that side of the ball get older. Um, Todd Gurley isn't going to run forever, and are you just going to waste these years with a half-baked quarterback? Why can't you fix that problem, St. Louis, please? That's, you know, that's just my hey, well, thought Well, we're talking about it. crappy quarterback play. You said something to me yesterday. I just don't like the way Matt Castle throws the ball. And, you know, <laughs> I, when you said you that, were it made ch- me hey, listen, you were, you were, yeah, look, you were on that guy's bandwagon. Put Castle in. Uh, shoot, I wanted well, to you know why? at a certain point. I still want to keep him in because I've seen what Whedon can do. But, you know, you when you said that to me, it made me study him a little bit because – one thing I know, I used to be able to throw all kinds of balls really hard. When I played baseball, I could throw football really well. I started mm-hmm. looking at what he does. When you said that, if you watch Matt Castle throw a ball, he drops mm-hmm. his elbow, and the ball, the tip of the ball, as you know, it comes out mm-hmm. high. Okay? So instead of staying on top of the ball, watch him throw now next week and, and notice that. The ball oh, is up I in the air. It, it I, causes I it, it to it, float. It, it's ugly, and consider this, Amel. Yes, he stepped in for Tom Brady. That's his claim to fame, and he was a part of. If listen, and I, I'm going to blaspheme here big time, and I know I know this might cause the world to shake. But if New England has shown us anything during their run here that's lasted quite some time, is that they can pull a guy out and plug another guy in and keep right on rolling. And and I'm saying this about the quarterback position because the Almighty God is in there right now. But in that particular season, their guy went down. They plugged the guy in, and they kept going. Since he left that situation there, tell me what Matt Castle has done. No, no, listen. In this the more, the more, you're right. You're right. I'll tell you what. What he did yesterday was actually hard to do, okay, because mm-hmm. I want you to consider this. The Dallas Cowboy mm-hmm. defense allowed 13 points yesterday. Eli Manning was 13-24 for 170 yards, pretty pedestrian by NFL standards. The Cowboys ran the ball 41 times. This is a Chad Wilson type of game. 233 Mm. yards. That's 5.7 yards in attempt. And they managed to lose that football game. Yeah, uh, which is hard to do in this league. Darren McFadden looked like he was at Arkansas again. The the, the, the dude had 29 carries for 152 yards. And dropped his shoulder on a couple of guys and, and, and got up to live another down. How about that for him? So, you know, that's promising. you got to like that part. When does Tony Romo come back? Because I know you're on top of that situation. He's got three more games he has to sit out. So the Miami Good game Lord. is actually when when he comes back. And, uh, you know, they have a game home this week against Seattle. And, honestly, they got to get Des Bryant on the field. The only thing that could help a quarterback like Castle, because I think you notice this too, because you're, you're, you're a student of football. And I know that you that that route that the pick six happened on, while it was an ugly pass, Williams was very lazy in that route. He did not he did not drive that football. I agree. I'm not throwing that one on Castle, but he made some several throws right after that and I was like, Oh good. Oh good. no, no. Yeah, keep the other running two the ball. were all on him. The punt that he threw down to the one yard line was on him. The other pick where Cromartie undercut him. I mean, after you throw a pick six to a guy, you would think in your mind as a veteran quarterback you'd say, you know what? He's their best cover corner. I think I'm going to find him and look someplace else. What do you think? Mm, no, yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, if that you know, you're taking a little bit of a can I say bitter, cynical fan view, but look, it is it is what it is. They've got to somehow hold on till till Tony Roma comes back. It's not like the rest of that division is is uh, lighting it on fire. All right, let's talk about you know some of the other games that went down. There wasn't a whole bunch on this. 
uh, slate stunk. that looked the, the great. The slate stunk yesterday. It was terrible. Yeah, and including the fish and chips game at 9:30 a.m. on the uh, on the East Coast here, um, that had to do with with uh, the the Bills and the Jaguars. But you know, before we launch into that, let's 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 have a little fun here. You've got something that you want to, you know, we love lists. Uh, in this day and age, and you've got a list here that you want to drop on on uh, on our fan base. So go ahead and drop that scud on. People. Okay, so so yesterday I was sitting around, you know, and I, obviously I had we we have a friend that's a friend of yours on Facebook and mine, and uh, they they uh, they they were proceeding to tell me that Tony Romo is not an elite quarterback, and I said, listen, after I got sick of of just using logic, I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Steve Young, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman. Phil Simms have all said that. Matter of fact, Phil Simms went as far as to call him the third-best quarterback in the NFL this year. Okay, Now, I said, so if you don't believe me, believe them. But I said, I'm going to do a list for you because I started thinking about this. I'm, I'm arguing with this guy. I'm saying, let me list, in my mind, the top ten quarterbacks in the league. Now, here's my criteria. I'm not using lifetime achievement awards. So if someone's excluded from so the list. So you're talking you right to, now, right this moment. Right this now. Season. If I'm starting a team – you know what, right now, I don't care if they won 10 Super Bowls. If they suck right now, they're not on the list, okay? So mm-hmm. I'm going to go 10 to, to 1. You can tell me I'm crazy. People think I'm nuts, but here's my list. Number 10, Andrew Luck. I know, I know, I know. We've got to place Andrew higher. I just see a lot of interceptions right now when I watch Luck. Do I think someday he'll figure it out? Yeah, probably. He's, he's got a lot of talent. But do I think he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the league right now? Hell no, not even close. Okay. Yeah, well, I had Number that discussion nine. with some people who didn't like that answer, but you know, it's playing itself out. I'm gonna hit well, you with I told it you. It is, so. it is what it is, and you know, I can back most of these up. Uh, number nine for me is Matt Ryan. You know, a guy gets overlooked. I started doing some research when I did this list. Matt Ryan is 72 and 45 as an NFL starter. He's got a 91 mm. quarterback rating. He won a lot of football mm. games with a team mm. that wasn't really keen on playing defense. For a large part so why is he of the time number why is he there. number nine? Because I got eight guys that I think are better. Um, <laughs> number okay, eight. And, mm-hmm. I, I like Ryan a lot. Number eight is Russell Wilson. People give me a hard time with that because sometimes his games look a little bit like a little playgroundish. But here's the thing: Russell Wilson doesn't have the uh, luxury of just standing in the pocket and throwing. He's been shown he's shown that when he gets a clean pocket, he can stand in there mm. and throw a nice football. He's got no wide receivers. Mm. He's got no offensive line. Yet somehow this guy has managed to direct his team to two straight NFC championships. You've got folks out there that say he's played, uh, been a part of a team with uh, one of the league's best running backs and the best defense for the la- for the two years in which they've been a part of uh, everything NFL football. What do you say to those p- folks? Well, I would say that, first of all, all those arguments, you know, I was young, I made them too, but what I started to realize as I got older is football all fits together, okay? If you don't have a quarterback, all that stuff doesn't mean anything. It's very hard to just carry a team with a defense and a running back if they know you can't throw the football. It all ties together. Football is like a giant puzzle. When, when, when something goes out of whack in football, it doesn't quite work. You've got to have some quarterback play to win all those games. And I think, you know, I'm looking at a guy – who's completed 64% of his passes since getting into the league, almost eight yards an attempt. That's a lot, folks. 98 mm-hmm. quarterback mm-hmm. rating. 98 quarterback yeah. rating. I mean, this guy can uh, play. Look, you're Don't not going to get an argument from me because I'm a Russell Wilson guy. I might even say he's too low on your list. He might be too low, and the only reason I didn't put him a little bit higher is um, 
I want to see him without some of those things. See, that's what I start looking at, guys. Guys who haven't played in ideal situations. You know, he hasn't had the line, but yes, he's had the running game. I want to see him, if he gets to a point where there's no Marshawn Lynch, and it's got to be the Russell Wilson show for a year or two, can he keep his team 8, uh, 8, 9, who's, 7, who, Who's thrived in those situations? Well, n- nobody's won Super Bowls, but, but they have, there have been yeah, guys that have been able to every big-time quarterback keep... has had what he needed. And you could, we can go, sure, to uh, win a Elway Super Bowl. Had, I'm saying he keep... had the three amigos. But their, no, teams but their teams yeah, don't they crater. But their teams don't crater, and that's yeah, what I just want to They were losing Super Bowls. Sure. My next guy. So, um, yeah. This year hasn't been his best year so far, even though the numbers say so. I mean, a lot of them have been garbage time like yesterday. But th- this mm-hmm. guy's been a winning quarterback for a long time, Phil Rivers. Okay? Another guy, 91-60 and 60 as a starter. Okay? Career 96 quarterback rating. He's won a lot of football games. Not in an ideal situation. Never had... You know, after LT went away, they've kind of left him looking for that running game. Uh, the defense has been spotty. They've had 9 million coaches, it seems. But this guy just keeps chugging along. <laughs> he wins a lot of football games. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling you're going you're gonna to put Carson Palmer way up there, and I'm going to no. turn your mic off. But go ahead. No, no, no. He's not even on the list. Uh, number six, and he would be higher if this list was made two years ago. Uh, Drew Brees, okay? Guy's been a great quarterback for a long time. Um, right now, I mean, we've talked about this on the show. There's some things he can't do that he used to be able to do. You said this list I mean, was, I mean, you said this list was this year. That's what you said. Well, this year, this year, the guy's, the guy's completing 68% of his passes with a 93.2 quarterback rating. Pretty damn good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Higher than Ryan Tannehill, who just threw four touchdowns yesterday and went 18 and 19. He still has a higher quarterback rating than him. So okay. All right. I'm saying this, and listen, you would you would have to admit if we did this list a few years ago, this guy'd be even higher, would you not? Who Breeze? Drew, Drew Brees. Sure, sure. Why not? Yeah. Okay, Plus number five is a gu- you know I, I I give I give I give good points for that. Number five, and I wanted to put this guy higher because I've always agreed with you on this, mm. and I almost slid him up a spot. Mm-hmm. But I, I left him at five as Joe Flacco. And the only reason I didn't is, yes, he's had some phenomenal, phenomenal play, uh, playoff performances. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I had to start looking at his overall body of work and the way the mm-hmm. Ravens are cratering this year without the defense in the running game. And I say he's just a guy that's one step from being able to, to do things, to, you know, without some of that stuff to keep his team competitive. I think he's great in the playoffs. I looked at some of his numbers. Uh, completion percentage not that great. Career QB rating 85, which in today's game is not high. But I gave him extra points for the playoffs and the win in the Super Bowl, which got him to five. I do agree with you. He's a really good quarterback. Right. Number four, Tony Romo. Uh, you know, I looked at this guy, Cowboys. Romo's missed 18 games in his career. You know what the record is? Six and 12. The other games were almost started. You know what the record is? 77 and 48. For those of you who don't do math, that's 62% win percentage. That means you're a 10 and 6 team every year if the guy when the guy plays. Uh, quarterback I think, rating. I think one. I think Romo's a little higher on your list. I'll bite, but I, I, you may be setting yourself up for something here coming down the road. I might have to hit you Maybe. in the ribs, man. You might have to hit me in the ribs, right. but but you know I'm saying right now the, the guy can play. He's got one of the top five QB ratings in the history of the NFL. Won a lot of games, 62 percent, pretty high winning percentage. Number three, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, this guy, 
could easily be number two. I mean, this guy's won a couple Super Bowls. He's been to three. He's just a winner. The guy could throw the ball. He he's tough. He breaks. He he saves you five sacks, ten sacks a year just because of his size and strength. Just a really really good player. I like Roethlisberger a lot. And the next one was hard. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna hit you if you didn't put Big Ben on there because uh, oh, no, they no, don't no. look anything like. At all, like when Ben is in there right now, and they've had two different no, guys no. in there. No, you can't hit me in the ribs. Come on, I'm an educated guy with football. You know that. I mean, <laughs> leave Ben Roethlisberger off the list. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, well, we two. started getting so close to this top three. Uh, well, because that just words. tells you how smart I am. I had him in the top three. <laughs> Number Good. two. Good. No, no, definitely. Kudos to you. And so I thought Peyton had to find his way in there somewhere, but you did say no. this season. No, no, no. Number two is is Aaron Rodgers, and and it's close. I mean, I look and I say the way he plays quarterback, man, it's hard for me not to put him number one. Then I say, you know what, is he any better than Tom Brady? It's probably a wash. So then I go to the Lifetime Achievement Awards, and I say, well, one guy's better. <laughs> You're six, not allowed to six. do that. Well, I said right now I can't. It's it's like separating pepper from fly crap, okay? That's how close these yeah. two guys are. You have to get okay. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Get that vision. You have to go. You you change this week to week between these two. Well, um, you, you it's do just that. hard. That's what I'm saying. So I went Lifetime Achievement Award at that point. I said, now I'm going to give you the six Super Bowls. You won four of them. The other guy's got his, his one. Uh, we'll let him win a few more before we, we slide him into one. So I'm going to put Rodgers two and Brady one, and people out there are going to ask me, how the hell can you leave Peyton Manning off a top 10 NFL quarterback list because I've watched NFL games this year, and I'm telling mm. you right now, okay, Peyton Manning isn't as good as Cam Newton right now. You make no mistake about that. The guy's got a 72-5 quarterback rating. Why isn't Cam on the list? What's he working with? Quick, 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 name me a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. I saw no. him throwing a bunch of balls to, to Ted Ginn for crying out loud. But doesn't he have Jericho Crotchety or whatever? <laughs> Jericho Crossrot. Yeah, he's on the team. Here's my problem with Cam. Okay, every time I think Cam's turned the corner, as I did last week in Seattle, I did. I said, okay, this guy's really he's figured it out. He goes out last night in a game that really the Panthers controlled the game, and yet I had to wait till the end to see them finally put the nail in the coffin because he throws three picks. It's like, mm-hmm. come on, man. Nine touchdowns, seven interceptions, 78 quarterback rating, completing 55%. In today's game, Chad, you might be able to complete 55% of your passes. Hey, listen, uh, I got an arm here. I got some accuracy and a brain. You never know. I just might be able to go out there. But go ahead. Ruin my this? list. Hey, tell let, me where, tell me yeah, where let I'm me, wrong. Let me, let me mess with some things here. I, You know, um, you didn't put your guy on there. I guess you thought I'd rip you up about it, but you got to put Carson Palmer if you're going off of this year. I mean, that guy, he's, he's having a great year. He looks as good as ever. So I would have put his name on the list on there somewhere. If you're going strictly this year, and, you know, I had we I had my whole I had my whole shots. I took the shots at this guy going into the season. He's kind of made me eat a few bullets here, but that Andy Dalton is having a year. He's having a year, so um, I might have found some kind of way to put him in here. I would have put probably several of those guys on before Andrew Luck. Here's what, here's what, if you looked at the way I said I wasn't given Lifetime Achievement Awards, but if you look at my list, it was a little bit of a combination. I kind of threw that that comment out there because I knew I'd get the Peyton Fanning, Manning fans telling me that he should be on the list, and I'm saying 
yes, if I was doing a top five quarterbacks of all time, he's definitely on the list. But I'm saying there's no way I can include a guy the way he's playing this year. Now, you asked me about a guy like like Carson Palmer. I start looking and saying, yes, he's having a great seven games so far. But I look and say he's been very good for his career. Um, just not, I think, one of the ten best. I think any. I mean, let me put it this way: I'm probably going to take any of those other guys over. And I love Carson Palmer. Yep. Um, Career I, record as a starter: seventy-four wins, seventy-five losses. I mean, it's just hard for me. As I'll much probably as I take love him over Carson, Luck this year, man. I really do. I, I think maybe. I, okay. I, think I, I mean, listen. That. I could give you. I can give you him sliding him in against Luck. It just I can't, you know, throw out many of those other guys to put Andy Dalton or Carson Palmer on the, you know, on this list until they get through a season and, and you know go to the Pro Bowl and show me that you know they're not just having a, a run for now. That's all I'm saying. Right. I, I, luck, yes, I could. I mean, it's hard for me to say any of these other guys on this list are still very effective quarterbacks, winning games in the NFL and have won a lot of games in the NFL. They're not. They're right. not just. You know, they had half a year. People can say, "Well, Peyton Manning won a lot of games." Yes, but he's not right now. Anybody who's watching Denver Broncos football knows that they're winning despite Peyton Manning. Okay, um, <laughs> they really are. How about this? Do you give Peyton any credit for knowing he's physically diminished and going along with the plan Kubiak has for the offense? He could have bucked that and said, "Well, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing here." Forget about this offense. You're trying to herd me in right now. I think oh, Peyton has just relented and said, hey, we'll win with defense and a running game and my occasional throws. That's what he absolutely. needed to do for a I while give, now. I give him credit for being a, for being a team a, a team player that's, you know, want, you know, always been about winning football games, I think, in, in my mind. I just, right now, I mean, it's just hard to look overall to what he's doing there to me and say there's not 10 quarterbacks in the league that have been in the league quite a while. They're not just doing it for six weeks, like you said, or a backup that, that aren't, you know, that aren't better. Yeah. Um, an interesting list, man. And you can make any kind of a list right now. And, uh, you know, people would tear Somebody's going to argue with you. I just think luck. Yeah, you, sure. That's what you and I agree on. You yeah. and I agree on luck. I just think luck is is given f- for where he is in, in his career. I think he's given far too much credit. He's he's played four seasons in the league. Okay, he he's got a career eighty five quarterback rating in today's game. Now in nineteen seventy two, that would be a star. In today's game, that's pedestrian. He's completed fifty eight percent of his passes for his career. Guys are coming close to seventy right now. He's thrown ninety seven touchdowns, fifty two picks. Mm, I mean, yep. Um, and he plays in a plays in that bum bum division. So. We'll have to see yeah. with him. It's too early to say yay or nay even on, on a no, – I'm not saying you – know, listen, a, I'm not even Andrew. trying to say he's not good. I'm just saying that I see people putting him – when I see these lists on, I see him in the top five, and I'm like, then we're not watching the same games. Now, could he be a top five quarterback? Does he have that kind of talent? Oh, absolutely. Guy's got all mm-hmm. the tools. But right now, he's not a top five quarterback. Yeah. Well, you know what, let's talk these picks as we you know hit the – at the final, the home stretch here of uh, of the Gridiron Stud Show. We did make NFL picks, and uh, we need to talk about them. I usually go first. How about you go first in the NFL today, since I went first college football? Okay. Do I have to? Uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, I gotta fess pony up, up Buzz. Okay. You gotta pony up. 
I started off with Andrew Luck and his Colts at home in a game they really needed. They came in 3-3. Three and three. I figured, well, what better elixir than to put up a ton of points than New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints jumped them. It was 27 nothing before you even you know got your popcorn heated in the microwave. And, uh, you know, Colts, the Colts did their normal, like, let's throw up some statistics, and they got it to 27-21, and they lost at home as a four-point favorite. You never had a chance with that pick I made, so I took an L there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I came back, uh, late afternoon game, I, I took my Cowboys plus four. I felt really good when they tied the game at 20 with seven minutes left. Uh, I go get a, I did I go too, get a drink uh, for by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then I get a drink from the refrigerator, and I see a former Cowboy running by the kicker uh, on his way to a 70-yard return. <laughs> and, uh, Man, he hit that, that, was, he hit that thing with the, with the gusto. That was impressive. Yeah, that was a nice return. But uh, the Giants won that game 27-20. I took a loss there, and then finally for my winner, oh, there was one, and now you know why I'm so <laughs> upset with Cam. I had to sit there till the end. I wanted to go to bed. Carolina mm. was given three. They played the Eagles. I just felt like the the you know the, the Giants walked into kind of like a bad situation Monday night with the Eagles. The Eagles play the Giants well, and they play them really well at home. I thought this road trip down to Carolina would be tough, and it was. The Eagles looked they still look like a disaster on offense. Carolina won the game by 11. They probably should have won by more. So that was my winner. Uh, where I've done well in college this year, I've struggled in the NFL. I'm 1-2 and two there. So on the year in the NFL, I'm 8-12 and a push, and overall 23-21 with a push. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Um, DeMarco Murray, your boy, is looking better running the rock. for the- He, he yeah, has looked better. Some- he had- Their running backs looked good last night. They did. Uh, uh, Ryan Matthews looked good. DeMarco Murray looked good. Didn't matter. They got punched in the face. Well, Matthews looks better. Matthews right now looks like, to be honest, for that offense, for me, from what I'm seeing, he looks like their best back. I mean, Murray, you're saying he looks looks better because he was abysmal. But, I mean, look what he did yesterday. He had 18 carries for 65 yards. 3.6 yards Mm -hmm. a carry. I mean, I saw some good things, though. I'm looking beyond the numbers. Uh, and I saw some good things. It, he still needs to be running out of an eye formation. I think you and I yes. know that. So yes, I think it Matthews, is what it is. If you want to run those stretch plays, I think Matthews is your guy there. Yeah, yeah, uh, the ones from the gun. Yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. He looks he looks really really good in those. So maybe they figure it out before Chip heads back to college football. Um, all right. Well, my NFL weekend was as good as my college football weekend. So uh, I guess time for me to brag a little bit. Uh, I did have the Miami Dolphins. Emil, if you make a pick, that is exactly the, the how you want it to go. You got a five-point favorite, and they're plus 41 at halftime. And uh, the Dolphins came out, got the job done. I had the, I had a little bit of the inside knowledge of just listening to talk radio this week and hearing some of the things that were going on in practice and feeling the energy of the fan base. And I knew uh, you would have an energetic fan base coming into that game uh, and into that stadium on Sunday, and that would even amp up a team that was amped up already during the week of practice. So I use a little bit of inside knowledge and some experience on that pick, and it, uh, to say it worked out would be the understatement of all understatements. So um, an easy winner with the Dolphins versus I almost the gave you two wins for that, by the way. I almost made a yeah, decision, but I couldn't. I will say this, though. I don't like the way Miami finished up that game, and they may pay the price for that next week. Uh, they kind of they kind of were sloppy there in that second half, and that's not the way you want to end the game, especially get, getting ready for the New England Patriots. So they may pay a price for how sloppy they were in that second half. They should have kept the, the foot on the pedal a little bit longer. The St. Louis Rams, this was a 
of all the picks for me, because I was a little bit back and forth on the Dolphins, this was an easy one for me to make. Uh, the Browns don't win games like this. Though they put up a pretty good fight from a defensive standpoint, and the Rams and Nick Foles, as I explained, tried like hell to keep Cleveland in this. Uh, it looked like they were point shaving. The Browns don't win games like this. And with the Rams two weeks to prepare off of a loss, I just really felt like, you know, at the end of the day, they were going to do what they had to do to win, which is exactly what happened because this thing was nip and tuck. At the end, the Rams said, oh, this is foolishness. These are the Browns. Ran away with it and ended up uh, winning the game 24-6. to So uh, that was another easy winner. The Jets-New England Patriots game. Um, definitely on the wrong, on the right side of this game, but almost ended up on the wrong side of it, and that was because of the Patriots being the damn Patriots. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, how much I hate this team. I respect them, but I can't stand them. Any other NFL team in the spot they were in at the end of the game when it was uh, it was 23-20, to 20, I believe was the score at the time, Yes. Um, would just run the ball at that point, run it out, run the clock down, end of ball game. No, these jack-offs are throwing the ball around because that's their running game. And they saw the Jets piled up at the And how about Todd Bowles? He sends everybody on that blitz that the Gronkowski scores on. I, mean, I know. And you know what? I had this thing going on because, you know, I played a FanDuel Fantasy League, and I'm sitting there getting pissed because the only person I had on my team – uh, from the New England Patriots was Gronkowski. And I said, if I know the Patriots, here's how they're going to do me. They're going to go down here and score. They're going to throw the ball to Edelson or some other guy that they just activated from the practice squad this week. And they're going to beat me on this pick. And, and I'm also going to not get the points uh, by it being Gronkowski that scores the touchdown. So uh, they halfway killed me on that. They did somehow find Gronkowski wide but naked open, as they say, as the Jets blitzed 11 <laughs> on that play, and Tom Brady just hung it up to Gronkowski. Did you think so I got Todd, Bowles, Gronkowski. Todd Bowles can do math? Like, unlike many NFL coaches who can't do math, I give Todd Bowles credit because when he got to the end of that game and there was 25 mm. seconds left, he's out of timeouts. He realized it on first down. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I, I need 10 points anyway. Guys. Yeah. Right. I'm here. I'm in field goal range. Let me do it now. I mean, I, I don't, for that alone, I think he should get uh, coach of the week because all these other guys messed that up. We saw Detroit mess that up in their game yesterday against the Minnesota Vikings. So kudos to Todd Bowles or whoever he hired to tell him that. Or if he did it himself, you know, hats off to him. So uh, he helped He helped a young guy out like me, although even in that situation, I had to sweat it out because they lined up for a 50-yard field goal and some jerk-off false starts, and now it's a 55-yard field goal. So uh, well, I think the know, kicker bet with you. I think the kicker had seven and a half. I really do. He, he oh, hit he, that like he, <laughs> he, like he was running You know what? It window. is a team hailing from New York where there's a, a heavy mob influence, so he was probably scared to death to hit that thing left or right, and he split it right down the middle, or he may have been in a trash heap somewhere at the bottom of one of those rivers. Uh, so he hits it. Uh, sneaks me in by a half point. You know, the game did close at seven. Sorry for those of you who waited that long. But nevertheless, a win for me because I had it at seven and a half. And I completed a perfect 6-0 and weekend. How about that? Hey, so, you carried you know, me around this week. I mean, even with my 2-4 and four week together, we were still 8-4, and four, which is still two out of three. So if you took all our picks, eh, you still did okay for yourself. I don't know. You keep all the numbers. I don't know if we've ever had a season where you went six and zero and I also went six and zero. Maybe it happened. It I don't know that. Happened, I went six and zero a couple of weeks ago, and you, you know, this week you went six and zero. I don't know if we. I don't think we ever did it in a week. I'd have to look, but I do know one thing. No, no, no. I know, we've never done that in a week. I know that. But I don't. I was wondering. If no, I went six and zero earlier this year. Then you yeah, went six and zero this week. That. 
I don't know. We so you're ten nine and one, by the way. So. You're over the five hundred mark in the pros. Ten nine and one. Your overall record, by the way. You're you're three and a half games up on me. Uh, you're twenty six wins, seventeen losses, and a push. So you got a three and a half game lead. I got work to do, my friend. Um, yeah, and I, I know I know you'll be right there at the end because we never really uh, whoever wins this thing it's always a close game it's always like a New England New York Jets game so sixty percent right now between the uh, NFL and college football for yours truly so I'm I'm loving that um, and let's see if I can keep that going um, so you know stay tuned with us here for the weeks to come and hopefully there's a better board this week but it was it was an ugly board and somehow I ended up. With a six and zero weekend, I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that, but nevertheless, got a lot prettier after those games were over, didn't it? Yeah, didn't it? Yeah, I loved, I loved it. You know, I definitely loved it after that. Well, all right, my friend, uh, their job openings all over college football. We didn't even have a chance to talk about um, George O'Leary stepping down from UCF. You know that that's also a pretty good job at this point. You could thank George O'Leary for making it that. Uh, gonna now we got to figure out. Who's jumping in there? So, you know, we'll have to that see. That program, uh, by the way, fell apart. Here. That fell apart very quickly, very quickly. It at, did. At, at, I, uh, I, I yeah. don't. I don't know what. I don't know what happened there. Uh, and I'm wondering two things here. I'm wondering how much of an impact Dan Campbell going out and doing what he did to the Houston Texans yesterday, along with George O'Leary stepping down at UCF, had to do with the University of Miami Board of Trustees. Uh, making the decision that they did because that UCF job is not a bad job and there's a there would be a possibility believe it or not that UCF could steal a candidate uh, that the University of Miami would be highly interested in so um, makes sense you know, maybe I mean, in a book you never know yeah yeah maybe in a book years from now I see a trend though Emil that's a little different with coaches being gone in the middle of the year more than ever I've noticed that. Yeah, it seems, it seems like more and more people are comfortable with saying, you know what, let's play out, let's play out the games and see what we got without this guy leading us and make a decision, as opposed to just leaving a lame duck and, you know, in in charge of a, a team or an organization and knowing that, listen, the players know he's gone, uh, so what's mm-hmm. the point? Let's just let's just let's yeah. just pull that bandaid off. What do we have? Six jobs open, I think. Two guys said, uh, I'm out, I'm retiring, four guys got fired. So maybe this is the new trend in college football. And, you know, as soon as we think this thing is done, we don't care where we are in the season, it's over for you. So uh, I think there may be some more coming if anyone gives up this week. You know how trends go. They they kind of catch fire. So oh, it yeah. is what it is. All right, we're out of here. Uh, we're back on tomorrow. It's Straight Talk with Warren Sapp, and you're not going to want to miss that, especially in lieu of uh, his comments at halftime of the Miami-Clemson game. We'll ask him to talk a little bit uh, on that, and uh, it's going to be as straight as a as a nail tomorrow. For we may just have one continue. subject matter tomorrow with him, and I think that's going to be I don't know why don't we know would we have uh, anything, any, anything yeah. else. I think we'll ask Warren one question, and he'll take off for about 30 minutes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's we can that's just sit there. We can sit go. there and laugh. He's like a stand-up comedy routine if you like football because he weaves it all yeah. in. And it's funny, but it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So straight talk with Warren Sapp tomorrow. Plus, we'll talk some more about the uh, college and NFL football. Is a you know, there's never a dull moment. So we'll be back on tomorrow at 10 a.m. Don't miss us. Thank you for listening today. Bring a friend with you when you tune in tomorrow. And for Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. There's danger on the edge of town. So
all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.